Tales of the Travelling Bag by Griselda Hill Narrated by William Merrin Hill On his first adventure into the wide world beyond the nest, Jerry the gerbil meets Jesus. With the help of his human friends Joanna and Joel, he becomes a disciple and accompanies Jesus throughout his travels and ministry. Tale number two. Jerry Goes Fishing Luke 5, verses 1 to 11 The market was misty in the half-light. Here and there a faint flickering lamplight glimmered under a rough wooden door. Joanna moved silently. No need to wake hard-working folks before their time. A swift movement caught her eye. She edged closer and peered over the pile of sacking. There he was again. She was sure he was the same one. There was that same tuft of hair between his ears. Funny little fellow. She had watched him for weeks as he hopped and skipped here and there around the market, searching for wheat straw. Different he was from the other gerbils. They snaffled and stole unashamedly, even climbing into the tall bins of grain, but not this one. He ate only the fallen scraps. It was as if he had already learned it was wrong to steal. She had taken to dropping a few pieces for him, and once a whole bun. There, she was finished. Straightening up, Joanna looked directly at the gerbil. Did you want to come too? she asked. I have to go and buy fish. Hop in. And she held the basket out towards him. We'll be back tonight. The gerbil's black eyes gazed at her unblinking. Although a few weeks had gone by, he had not forgotten the baptizer or his words. Don't forget him, little one. His name is Jesus. Maybe this Jesus, this Lamb of God, would also be buying fish. I won't look, promise, said Joanna, pulling aside the napkin that lay in the basket. She turned her head away, and when she glanced back, there was a slight bulge under the napkin, and the gerbil had disappeared. A few minutes later she was on the road out of the sleepy village and there was her friend Joel coming towards her with his swinging step and easy sway of the shoulders. He carried a long wooden oar, sanded smooth. For Zebedee, he said as he reached her, one of his boats lost a steering oar in the storm last week. She reached up and ran her fingers down the long shaft. It was polished and silky. Joel was a good carpenter, honest and dependable, she had chosen well. Joanna smiled up at him. I brought him, she said, holding up the basket. The little fellow, asked Joel. His broad, strong fingers stroked the napkin. There was a violent wriggle and the bump vanished. Joel let out a rich, warm laugh that echoed through the olive leaves. Tell me when he gets too heavy he grinned as they fell into step on the dusty, tree-lined road. 
Jerry knew they were near the lake long before they started on the downhill stretch. He could sense the freshness in the air and the dank smell of wet weeds and fish. Joanna put the basket in the shade beneath a tree and wandered down to the shore. Jumping out, Jerry hopped up onto a low wall and surveyed the scene before him. The fishing boats had landed their catches, and people were haggling over the prices of the small, gleaming, silvery sardines. But voices were raised, and there was anger in the arguments. Bad night. Ain't no fish this morning, grunted a nearby donkey as he munched meditatively on some dry grass. Jerry turns towards him. Always angry they are when there ain't no fish. Bad for business it is. Bad for all of us, added the donkey thoughtfully, and resumed his slow, methodical chewing. Jerry nodded and scurried down towards a safe patch of reeds near the water where he could hide and watch. Joanna and Joel rested on the sand, enjoying the placid blue waters as the lake rippled in the breeze. A man joined them, slipping off his sandals and dabbling his feet in the cool, refreshing water. Jerry stared. The man's back was towards him, but nevertheless he had a feeling that he had met this man before. There's Zebedee's boat over there. He's still out on the water, said Joel. Can't have caught much. Most of the boats are in already, said Joanna. I was only able to buy a few sardines. They watched the fishermen row wearily towards the beach and throw their empty, heavy nets onto the shore. Suddenly there was the sound of many voices, and a group of people bustled down the shelving beach towards them. "'It's the master storyteller!' shouted one, pointing at the man beside Joanna and Joel. Heads turned, and everywhere people sprang up from the sand, hurrying over until there was quite a crowd." "'Sit down, we can't see!' cried several. "'Shh! We can't hear!' cried others. The man was tying his sandal. When he had finished, he straightened up and smiled. It was as if the morning sun had burst upon the world in a blaze of light, thought Joanna. Right there, as the crowd seated itself around her, the man began to speak. He spoke gently, yet with authority, and not without humour. Joel had risen to go and deliver his oar, but he paused, entranced. This man was worth listening to. What he said made sense. Who was he? It's that man who was with the baptizer, whispered Joanna excitedly. Of course it is, said Jerry to himself. He had recognised the clear, vibrant voice, and he knew the man had noticed him, even though he was hiding in the clump of grass. Somehow it was as if they were old friends, as if the man knew everything about him and loved him for who he was. Ah, yes, they call him the Master, Joel whispered back. I don't know why. You don't know why, thought Jerry. He stared at Joel, puzzled. Didn't Joel know who this was? Why not? This was the man from the Jordan River, 
The baptizer had called him the Lamb of God. Didn't the humans know that? He was only a gerbil, but he knew. The man had started speaking again, and the crowd was restless and pushing closer in order to hear. Simon, may I borrow the boat? called the master. Quick as a wink, Jerry scampered up the master's robe and held tightly to his leather belt. Simon, a heavily bearded, burly man who had been mending a tear in his net, stood up and held out a helping hand as the master waded into the water and climbed into the boat. Pushing it off the beach and out a little further, Simon steadied it with the oars, and the little gerbil jumped down and settled himself comfortably on a coil of rope. Smiling, the master began to speak once more, his voice ringing out across the water. The crowd quietened and listened, fascinated in the warm sunshine. Slowly the sun moved up the sky until it was directly overhead. It was midday and very hot, and still the master spoke. At last, raising his hand in blessing, he indicated that he had finished, and the crowd turned to leave, talking quietly, straggling along the beach. Simon brought the boat to the shore, and the master sprang down onto the sand. Jerry sat up. The master was speaking. Nothing, said the fisherman. We tried all night, not a single fish. But a lot of torn net, added his companion Andrew, flashing a grin. Just rock fish. Take the boat out again, suggested the master. Again? We were out all night, and the shoals swim deep when the sun's up, began Simon. Then he looked at the master and said, OK, because it's you and you say so, we'll try once more. Come on, Andrew. He motioned to his partner, and the two of them rowed back out into the lake. In a smooth, practised, swirling movement, they cast out the net, and it sank under the waves. A moment later... There was an exclamation, and the two men began to haul it back in, struggling with the weight of an enormous catch. As the net came in over the side, huge numbers of wriggling, squirming fish began to fill the boat, and Jerry leapt from the coil of rope and hid under the seat. Fish were everywhere. Suddenly Jerry was slapped hard by a scaly, wet tail and turned to find goggle eyes staring right into his face. He squealed, but the fish flopped closer, opening and closing its great flabby lips. He turned to run, but the huge mouth closed on his tail, pinning him to the floor. More fish piled in until he could hardly breathe. The world seemed full of heaving, wriggling bodies that slithered in and over, round and under. And the eyes, the great, gawping, gaping eyes that stared unseeing. He shivered in fear. A wave slopped over the side, and then another and another. They were too low in the water from the weight of fish. They were going to sink. Jerry twisted and turned frantically, but his tail was firmly clamped between the jaws of the massive fish. Would he never get away? Master! He screamed. Far away on the shore, the master heard as he hears all voices that call to him, however small. 
It wasn't long before Jerry was scooped up and thrown into a bucket. The bucket swooped through the air and was poured out onto a flat table, and he found himself lying in a heap of fish and dazzled by sunlight, still with his tail caught firmly in the fish's mouth. Fish were everywhere, filling the wicker baskets, spilling over onto the sand. People! Noise! Wagons loaded with brimming tubs were grinding their way towards the fish gate in Jerusalem the oxen grunting as they hauled. Mingling with the crowd, Roman officials counted coins into scaly, waiting hands as they ordered catches to be dried for later in the week. Already the drying racks were laid out in the warm sun. Buyers were sorting through the fish and exclaiming at their size. Jerry could hear snatches of conversation. Never seen such buttes. A miracle, that's what it is. Just as well the other Zebedee boat went out to help, they'd sure have sunk. Nearly sank both. Make their fortune, this will. Coins clinking. Laughter. Above him, hands. Hands grasping, poking, prodding, and fish scales. Smelly, stinky, slimy. Then Simon's voice. The fisherman was on his knees. Master, Lord, go away from me. I am a sinful man. And the warm, comforting voice of the Lamb of God. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Come, follow me and be my disciple. Jerry found himself being hoisted into the air, dangling from the fish's jaws. And you too, little one. Will you follow me? asked the golden voice, laughing. With all my heart, cried Jerry. But the voice continued, Here, I think this belongs to you. And he found his tail being gently freed and coiled around him in a napkin-lined basket next to the large, now motionless fish. Oh, he sighed, turning his head away as he fell into an exhausted sleep. It was completely dark when he woke, and he was alone. The basket stood by the synagogue steps, and the fish had gone. Stiffly, but with his heart singing, the new disciple crawled out and made his way through the familiar, dusty room to his front door. The family sat around the remains of supper. "'You're back,' said Abby, smiling as he offered his son a wheat ear. "'Hungry?' Jerry leaned wearily against the entrance. It had been altogether too busy a day. Billy glanced up and sniffed him suspiciously. I know where you've been, he said, wrinkling his nose. <laughs>